fast forward three years ago, we ended up buying our first 25 unit deal together. And uh, as they say, the rest is history. Uh, we've accumulated about 674 units in the last three years. Um, Jake likes to throw the number of like 33 or $34 million in total value. I think the more important thing is that the cash flow number and the equity buildup and the amortization pay down. All those things is what's really exciting about real estate and multifamily real estate and the ability to scale up. Welcome to Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate, a podcast for international investors and real estate entrepreneurs looking to break into the U.S. market. G'day, g'day, guys, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate, the number one podcast geared towards helping international investors break into the U.S. market and start buying cash-flowing deals. From Los Angeles, I'm Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Thanks for taking some time to check out our show. If you're wanting to hear past episodes, head over to rsmpropertygroup.com, or you can find me on wherever you podcast. As most of you know, we only interview industry leaders that are absolutely killing it in their chosen niche and whilst investing here in the US and today is no difference. However, we do have two people on the show, two killer experts in the hot seat to give you all the investing insight and information. So let's get cracking and into today's show. Today with me on the show, I have two incredible entrepreneurs. One is the author of the best-selling book, Wheelbarrow Profits, and co-founder of jakeandgino.com, Mr. Jake Stesiano. The other entrepreneur is his partner in crime at jakeandgino.com, Mr. Gino Barbaro. Lads, welcome to the show. How hey, Reed, how's it going? Good, guys. Good. How's it going on a Friday morning where you guys are? You're Tennessee and New York, awesome, awesome parts of the world. Well, That's going really good. New York is uh, wonderful in August. Uh, hit me up in January. We'll we'll talk about January, but for right now, I'm loving it. Gino's <laughs> gonna be in Jacksonville in January, though. Yes, I'm yes. You, you need to go somewhere warmer, right? In the uh, yes. in the winter months. I lived for two years in New York, and it was the polar vortex in 2012, 2013. It was it was terrible. <laughs> but guys, we before we dive into the nuts and bolts of today's show, can you wanna do you wanna elaborate a little bit more on your backgrounds and how you came together to form the awesome duo that is Jake and Gino? Well, this is age before beauty. Uh, my name is Gino. I'm the older one. I would say call it the more mature one. Um, oh, got- come on, man. <laughs> come on, man. We got together. We got together about three years ago and really started acquiring assets three years ago. But if I backtrack a little bit more, um, I've been in the restaurant business for about 20 years. I got sick and tired after the 08 recession. Um, I was in business with my brother. Um, business was great up until that point. St- stuff started falling off the cliff. I said to myself, I need to do something different. I need to look for something different. I had always dabbled in real estate, and that's why I wasn't successful because when you, da- when you dabble in something, you will not succeed. You have to focus, and you really have to want it. And uh, after 2008, I said, let me shift gears. Let me do a little life coaching, a little real estate coaching, and I, I found what I needed to do. Um, I've got a family of six. I've got six children, so I've got a lot of mouths to feed. Um, and I just wanted to do something that was passionate and something that my children would look at me and go, Dad, I know you're a business owner, but now you finally love what you do. And I want my children to go through life like that. I want them to find their passion, love whatever they want to do. They want to go to college. That's great. If they don't, that's great too. Whatever they want to do, whatever they feel passionate about, they will succeed in. And that's what I've been trying to do for the last few years. 
Um, fast forward three years ago, we ended up buying our first 25 unit deal together. And uh, as they say, the rest is history. Uh, we've accumulated about 674 units in the last three years. Um, Jake likes to throw the number of like 33 or 34 million dollars in total value. Um, I, I think the more important thing is that the cash flow number and the equity buildup and the amortization pay down. All those things is what's really, uh, you know, really exciting about real estate and multifamily real estate and the ability to scale up. So um, I was most fortunate to find Jake um, during my path. You know, when you look for something in life, energy like energy attracts like energy. He was looking to get out of his industry. I was looking to grow and get out of mine. We both wanted to create passive income. We both wanted to create generational wealth and bam, the magnets attracted. Um, you know, we both didn't have that kind of experience that you need to buy a 25 unit on the first deal. And that's what made it exciting because we didn't know what we were doing. We got together and we figured it out. Um, Jake managed the property. We had bought it in Tennessee. He ma he self-managed it. And um, I had the experience of, you know, how to buy right and how to finance right. Although the finance portion was uh, it was a little bit of a mistake in the beginning, but we corrected that. Got to take action. And uh, like I said, the rest is history. Awesome. Awesome. It and doesn't have to be age before beauty. You know? <laughs> no, it, it, the reason I say this is because I try to get Gino on my gel game. You know, I try to get him to use the hair gel, you know, and I just, you know, I got it one time he was at my house and, and we we're doing a podcast and he got a little hair gel going and then he just lets it go after that. I don't know why, you know, it's, it's, it's not that hard. You know, it's like 99 cents at CVS. Maybe we can get there at some point, but I don't know. But seriously, no, no, all kidding aside. Yeah, that's, uh, that about sums it up. You know, from my perspective, I was in corporate America, uh, grinding it out as a sales guy, uh, for a uh, pharmaceutical company and they were doing layoffs every year, literally. And, it was just, um, you know, what are, what are we going to do when uh, when my number's called? So I knew that mm -hmm. I wanted to create wealth. I wanted to create passive income. I know Gino had those same goals. And, and really what it was is, and I, I tell everybody this, in the beginning of your career, get into some kind of sales job, you know, wait tables, learn how to interact with the public and, uh, and, and learn how to really communicate with others. And I think that was one of the biggest things that I brought to the table because, uh, even on our first deal, we were sitting down with bankers and we were extremely prepared. Um, you know, and that's one of the biggest things in negotiating. You know, you got to be super prepared. It's not I'm a born negotiator. It's 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 doing your homework so you have the facts when when you when you sit down at the table. We had a, a you know a full blown pitch book that that outlined the deal. Our underwriting was in it. And even though we weren't, uh, you know, we didn't have a, a lot of units under our belt in that first deal, we were extremely professional. We were extremely prepared and, uh, and we got it done. And it, it took us a few years to get that first one knocked out. But uh, as Gino said, after we got that first one done, we just started knocking them out left and right and almost 700 units now. Wow, that's incredible, guys! And I was poking around on your website uh, a little bit earlier, doing some research for the show. Want to say personal branding is on point, and you guys have are cracking it right now. So, so well done. And just a little bit, how did you guys actually meet? Because if you're in different parts of the United States, that's that would have been a bit difficult. Was it through a networking event? Actually, I owned the restaurant, and Jake was living in New York at the time. And um, that's one of the big pieces that we we forgot to mention. Jake, he hated living up in New York. He he didn't like living up here the quality of life the tax situation I'm, I'm I'm repeating what he's gonna say because it's my I'm in a similar situation right now so he said you know what um, he was getting catering for my restaurant because he was a pharmaceutical rep at the time and he was bringing food to um, doctors so this is this this net this segues into what we're talking about taking control of your financial destiny he saw the writing on the wall with the Obamacare Act and the Sunshine Act and saying this is gonna limit my resources this is gonna limit my ability to make money so I've got to make a move here so he ended up moving down to Tennessee um, he 
ended up moving into Knoxville and I stayed in New York. And from there we created the partnership and um, that's, that's what happened. He just went down there and he, we just started, I started looking at assets from New York. I'm like, wow, these properties cash flow really well. The per unit costs are fantastic. The property taxes are really low. Insurance is lower. Labor costs are lower. I mean, everything was just looking up. And at the time, back in 2011, 2012, the market was still I would say in the recovery phase. It wasn't even in the expansion phase. So we, we were we were fortunate. You know, lucky is great. It works for people who work hard and we worked hard and we were lucky at the same time. And we caught the market at the right time. And now as the market is progressing towards from the expansion phase into hyper supply, you've got to be a little bit careful with cap rates. So, you know, you'd mentioned our framework, the buy right, manage right, and finance right. The buy right right now is crucial more than ever. And I think we should dive into that and talk about what buy right actually means. Um, to me, buy right means it's not what you buy, it's what you pay. So you could be buying any kind of asset, whether it's gold, oil, uh, commodities, stocks, you really have to be very wary of what you're buying it at. And you know, how do I know that? Because I've been burned lots of times uh, back in 07, 08, everyone was still buying and they didn't have any kind of parameter or any kind of framework of what they should be buying and how they should be analyzing it. Um, right now, the cap rates in the market are about five and a half to six caps and nationwide and they're dropping so you have to set a parameter for what you expect your your rate of return to be we like to look at a caps I mean it's pretty hard in certain markets to buy it but we look for properties that are mom and pops that have you know a little bit of distress in them motivated sellers does it take time to find them it actually does I mean you might have to look at 20 30 40 50 deals once you even if you have experience to find those deals but it's well worth your time because you make money on the buy because if you can buy it right you can force the appreciation you can get the net, net operating income up and then within 12 months like we've done on all of our deals you can refinance that money pull that money out and velocitize it and continue the process love it love it and I think that's really important I go on a lot about on this show about you make money when you buy and not when you sell you need to be buying a cracking deal and if it's not a cracking deal and it doesn't make sense from day one and you don't have a clear strategy to increase that NOI as you said and force the appreciation then there's no point in uh, in buying it so talk a little bit more about when you're buying right you know as you just mentioned it is everyone and every man and their dog uh, are getting into multifamily real estate they're looking at the forcing the appreciation so in particular I, what what markets are you looking at? Have you changed your focus in terms of markets to help you find more deals? You, you mentioned that you're looking at 20, 30, 40 deals because it is harder to find that, that, that cracking deal. What, what's the sort of uh, strategy you're going through now as the markets change? Well, we're, we're expanding a little bit. As we said earlier, Gino's going to be going down to Jacksonville. So it's uh, we're, we're expanding our footprint a little bit, but we like to be uh, fairly close to the deals that we are buying. So Gino's going to be living in the Jacksonville market. I'm still in the Knoxville market. And we're looking at you know every deal that we can find in Knoxville right now. It's just uh, we're, we're, we're patient. And, uh, you know, with the last few deals, we've come in, you know, fourth, fifth place on them because they do, you know, in the southeast, a lot of it's called offers. I don't know if that's similar in your market, but you know it'll be an off, essentially off-market deal, and they'll they'll just have their group of buyers that they'll start you know marketing it to. And we're just we're disciplined. We're not going to overpay. We we know what units should be trading for in this market. And uh, unfortunately, you know we our last deal that we did was in March, and we like to do two or three deals a year. And and right now we you know we'll be lucky if we get another deal before the end of the year because it's just uh, things are tightening up, cap rates are compressing, and uh, and we're just going to ride this out until. Uh, until we feel comfortable getting into it because like Gino said a minute ago, we would like the 8% cap rates. We want a minimum 10% cash on cash return. And if we're not meeting those, then uh, we're just going to, we're just going to hold off till, uh, till the right deal comes our way. 
That's awesome, and I think that's that's really really key when you're moving. When it, the markets do change, and all those listeners out there, as cap rates do compress, being patient, and um, that's that's really really incredible because people can sometimes get a bit trigger happy. They see the one yep. first deal, they see, oh, I've got a thirty unit deal, boom, I've got to get it done. It's like, guys, whoa, 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 you need to be analyzing, you know, fifty deals in your markets just before you understand your market properly. And I always go on about that. But you mentioned before a little bit about the the buying right in terms of unit price. So what are you I'm assuming for a for an eight cap with a ten percent cash on cash, you're looking at like a like class C, B minus sort of sort of uh, love that. asset. Yeah, yep. love love operating in, in the C plus B minus area, and um, and this really you know transitions well into the manager right portion because we're looking for these these mom and pops, as Gina likes to say, that they may be a a burned out landlord. It may be a uh, a doctor whose wife is managing it, and it's 150 units, and you know she just doesn't want to be doing it. She's complaining to him in, in the evening. Uh, it could be siblings that are that own a, a 300 unit complex. We've we've bought all of these types of scenarios before, and um, it just what happens is is they don't take care of the property over time. They, they'll start to let uh, things go. And we call this the death spiral. We've even seen it where they, uh, they'll they say, hey, take this unit as is, and then we won't charge you a deposit. Or they'll, they'll keep the rents low and, and you know, so the, the tenants won't leave or call them to fix anything. And essentially what happens is the business takes over and, and, the, and the, the owners of the business just don't want to mess with it anymore. So then it, it, we call it the death spiral. The NOI starts to compress where they think they're doing things that are actually saving money, but they're actually killing the business uh, because they're, they're being, you know, pound foolish, if you will. Um, so that that's what really has created the opportunities for us, and we're just we're just patiently waiting for for the right one uh, to come up. I always like to say patient, persistent, but willing to walk away. Uh, in the deal we got done in, in March, we were competing against two REITs, and uh, we came in third place. And then the, the, the REITs started retrading. Uh, you know, six months later, the deal came back to us, and we were able to close on it because we knew our number. We weren't going to you know do a retrade or, or try to burn bridges. So we we're we we're patient. We kept going back to the broker, and eventually the deal came back to us. That's awesome. That's awesome. And a lot of international investors are sort of, you know, they're wary, they're, they're apprehensive when they come to the United States, and they're trying to set up their team on the ground uh, in terms of a property management because, you know, your property management for an international investor is so important, whether you're buying, you know, across the world or, you know, just interstate. So what are the types of questions you like to get from your property manager to make sure that they're going to be on track, keeping the property operating, and essentially not falling to sleep at the wheel, uh, as I've seen? in a couple of deals that I've done. Uh, Reed, what I can do is that uh, I can leave a, a questionnaire at the end of the show notes. Sure. Your listeners can download it. We've got a bunch of questions you got to ask. I mean, think, right. think the first most, most relevant question is what type of assets do you actually manage? Are you doing multifamilies? If that's yes. The second question is I need to see what you're doing, how many units you have under your belt because if they're only managing 30 units and you have a 200-unit deal, they're not going to fit the bill. They're not going to have enough experience, enough resources. Obviously, you want to know what the market is charging. You don't want to underpay these guys because it's a very difficult field to be in. People think they're making a ton of money. They're not. So you have to compensate them properly. And um, you know, Jake and I have been fortunate because we're self-managing all our units, and we've you know from the ground up. So we're building systems in place. So hopefully, once all these systems are done, I think that's one of the one of the advantages that we have, or that people have, that when they invest in their backyard, they can get their hands dirty and feel what type of systems you need and how to manage these properties. Because at the end of the day, it's all about servicing the tenant. It's all about customer service. That's what it comes down to, about tenant retention. So if you can keep those tenants happy and you can service them, you're going to make a lot of money in real estate. Awesome. No, I just want to piggyback on that a little bit. And uh, 
one and and if you if you're able to find a a deal that is you know needs that TLC, you, you're gonna find some vacant units in it. You're gonna find a mom and pop for any of your international folks that that if they come in and they say, wow, this is a you know a, a C plus property and it's just not been taken care of. What we like to do is we have a little framework that we put in place on all of our deals where we'll go in and say there's 15 vacancies. Our first attention is is to those vacancies. We're gonna we're gonna spruce them up with a two tone paint scheme. We're gonna you know upgrade uh, some of the, the little things in there like the light fixtures and whatnot, and then we're gonna fill those vacant units right away at market. So we're we're buying stuff that where we know the rents are below market and and there's room to uh, to move those. So we're the first thing we do is we're gonna we're gonna fill those vacants at market rent. We're gonna see a nice bump in the NOI right there. As we're doing this, we're going to implement RUBS, which is ratio utility billing systems. Not all markets can can take on a RUBS program, but in our markets, we're able to, to do that. It's basically, basically billing the tenants back for their water usage. Then following that, once, once this is complete, we're going to go back in and we're going to raise the remaining tenants to market rates. And the great thing is, you know, for, for some of the folks out there that may not be familiar with some of these uh, these different platforms, there's there's things out there like Rainmaker, uh, Yieldstar. And the great thing about this is they're going to constantly be out there scooping up what the market rates are, and they're going to be pushing the, the rents, whether it's uh, it's on a lease renewal or it's it's on the new people moving in. So there's things out there to give uh, to give your your investors peace of mind that that'll actually take care of that for you. Uh, so you don't necessarily have to um, to have to you know manage that or worry about a human determining what what is the market rate. Uh, so that'll help that'll help bump those uh, those rates and, and increase your NOI over time. Awesome, awesome. I've also in a couple of the buildings that I purchased on those vacant units, I've gone in there, renovated them, and then moved the existing tenants into those units units to help me, you know, free up other other units in the building. Is that a sure. tactic that you do? We actually get people requesting it because ah, they'll interesting. see they'll be they, you know they that it's so funny because we're talking about the mom and pop death uh, you know death spiral mentality, and 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 the the previous owners that we bought from they think that the tenants don't want service; they just want to keep their rate low. Well, a lot of times those tenants will see those upgraded units that we're doing and say, "Hey, can I move into those? Um, you know, I'm okay. I know, I know it's going to be 150 or 200 dollars more per month, but I really like what you're doing. I want to, I want to be a part of it." And they'll request the move. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's just, you know, people don't want, uh, you know, the bare minimum. Uh, they don't want to not be taken care of. They're, they're renting for a reason. Um, if they wanted to go buy a house and, and fix it up themselves, they would have done it already. And Reed, let me stress one thing. It's not like we're going in there and raising the rents indiscriminately. We're going in there. We're taking care of the exteriors. Simple things like mailboxes, fixing roofs, fixing gutters, cleaning up a fitness center, uh, cleaning up the pl- clubhouse, whether the pool needs fixing, um, we installing dog parks. So we're adding value to the property. So once tenants see that perceived value, um, you were cleaning the breezeways, we're repainting the outside, power washing buildings. We're doing a lot of these, I wouldn't call them, they're not low value, but they're low cost. I mean, the power washer building and paint some shutters, you would be amazed at what it does and the perce- perceived value of that value add to the tenant, I think I think is what allows us to go in there and raise the rents. We're not just going to go in there and start indiscriminately raising rents. We want to add value, the first thing you want to do. And once you add the value, then you have the ability as a salesperson, because we're all we're doing is selling our product to a tenant, saying, listen, this is what we've done. We're going to continue to do this. Then they have the comfort level that they've seen some action take place. Then they're confident saying, okay, I'm willing to pay more of that. And then when you start showing them that the units that you're going to start supplying to them, and Jake and I are not talking about ripping out cabinets and ripping out floors and 
we're talking about you know basic stuff that when you go in there you can either reface cabinets uh, maybe upgrade some appliances Jake loves this new product that he has on his on his countertops um, maybe he can elaborate a little bit on that stuff that's not going to cost you you remember we don't live there we're dealing with C tenants and that's why we love the C properties um, my fear in this market I should touch on this real quick is the, the market right now seems like there's going to be such an oversupply of A assets and I think what's going on is I think it's being driven by REITs and by international buyers where there's such an oversupply of the high-end markets where I'm afraid that the B's and the B pluses are going to be affected because when there's going to be such an oversupply of those properties. You push the prices down. It's yeah. going to, it, the, B, the B tenants are going to go to the A properties because there's going to be concessions. So they can pay another 200 bucks a month and get into these A properties. So there's going to be a void. So that's one of the reasons why we like to concentrate on the C's and C minus, C minuses, C's, C pluses, B minuses, because those are the long-term tenants. If you treat them like gold, they're going to stay with you because their ability to buy a house might be compromised. They just want to have a nice, safe, clean, affordable place to live. So that's that's what our niche tenant is. And that's what people have to realize. They have to realize what type of t niche tenant they're trying to serve. Awesome. Yeah. I want to I touch on something you just said too, Gina, because you can fix so much inside a unit and it's minimal. The cabinets are the killer. I mean, cabinets, especially if you want to get a decent cabinet, depending on how many cabinets are in the unit or the kitchen, you can do so much like resurface the countertops for $100. You can paint the cabinets. When you start tearing out cabinets, that's when we really see our costs start to jump, though. If you can, as, if there's any way you can sand and, and refinish cabinets, I, I would say by all means do that before you start pulling cabinets out. I'm sure we could have an entire episode on the different types of techniques you guys use to, you know, manage right. But I, I am conscious of your guys' time, and I want to jump into sort of the financing right, which is the last sort of um, framework cornerstone, if you want to, if if you will, of your book. And you know, talk to us about how important it is is to get the right financing. Uh, talk a little bit about non-recourse loan, and and I know at the beginning of the show, you you mentioned uh, Gino that you had he'd been burnt in the past for not having the right financing. In place. Tell, tell us about those war stories. Well, sure. The first deal we did was was a win and a lose for us on finance, right? <laughs> it was a small deal. That's why I always encourage people, if they're going to jump into it, for us, a 25-unit deal was manageable because we were fortunate to get owner financing on our first deal. And how do we do that? You have to, you have to be able to educate the seller. We were fortunate because our broker actually brought it up to us, but you have to be able to educate the seller upon the merits of what owner financing is going to give to them, such as the ability to you know, um, get monthly mailbox money. They're going to get money. What are they going to do with the money? If they're going to put it in the bank, they'd rather get a three or $400 month check instead of a three or $4 check. Um, that's, that's the first thing. The second thing is they defer capital gains. Um, so we knew this. The seller was motivated. That's one of the main reasons why seller financing was available to us. But at the same time, we got the 10% seller financing as a down payment. The other the other 80% was from the bank, and we had gotten pretty unfavorable terms. We were just thrilled to get in the deal. So we didn't know what you know amortization was. We had a 20-year amortization schedule. Now it's 25 minimum. Our interest rate was probably a point and a half to point in three quarters, almost two points above what the market was. But we were just thrilled to get into it. It was recourse, obviously, because it was a it was a, a twenty five unit deal. But we were just thrilled to get into it, and I'm glad we got into it. I'm glad we made those mistakes. But at the end of the day, you start learning. Your second deal, and you know, the second deal wasn't that much better. We still got a we had, we only had a three year term on it, so I mean, it, it was tough. But as we bought them right, we knew we were going to be able to refinance them a year down and refinance them out and get better terms on on these first loans. Yeah, and, and the parameters that we look for, this, just to make it very clear to help people out and, and be very specific, right now we, we basically refinanced everything to a minimum of a 10-year term, a minimum of a 25 to 30-year amortization. Uh, that's you know huge for cash flow. 
And uh, we're looking for non-recourse loans. Uh, basically, that's going to take it off your balance sheet. Uh, the difference between non-recourse and recourse is if the property, you know, if you go to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, some of these uh, these secondary market lenders, it, it's basically going to be a bad boy carve out, meaning that if, if you're doing everything you're supposed to be doing and the property fails, all they're going to do is they're going to take that back and, and you're not going to be held liable for that. In addition to that, you know, if, if you can get sub four percent rates right now in this environment, you know that I think that's uh, that's tremendous. So those are, those are the main things um, that we look for in finance, right? But there's another piece to it that that goes into the wealth building strategy that we've used, you know, extremely well. Is we'll get into a deal. Um, it's going to be a, a mom and pop that's underperforming. We're gonna we're gonna go through the manage right portion of our framework. We're gonna drive the NOI tremendously, and then we're gonna refi the property. And we're going to pull money out. And we've done this time and time again. Gino, I don't know how many, you, you had the number the other day, how many cash out refis we've done over the last few years. How many yes. was it? We've done, uh, we did our second seven, seven figure refi last Wednesday. We bought the property for four million August of last year. And last Wednesday, we refied the property with a value of 5.8 million. So we were able to cash out 1.4 million. And the first deal we talked about, see, that's what people have to understand. It's mistakes are not mistakes when you make them. We made the mistake of crappy financing, but what ended up, ended up happening is, is three years later, we ended up refinancing our first property. We pulled out $160,000. So we pulled out more than what we had in the property. Yep. Property still cash flowing $3,000 a month. We're maintaining or controlling an asset, as Rich Dad says. You're controlling an asset with no money in the property, and you're velocitizing it. So you, we have two seven-figures uh, refis, and we have, we have uh, four six-figure refis. So, um, you know, and we're going to refinance the property in October. And that's what our goal is. Our goal is to buy these things and to refinance the properties. And people always ask, where do you find the money? Well, yeah. when you start, this is where you. This is one way to find the money. We haven't gone into syndication or raising private money yet. We haven't had to do that. Um, it's all Jake, I, and another partner controlling all this, and that's how you create wealth is by buying them right. It's so. I'm, I don't want to, you know, gloss that over that fact. We bought the property at, you know, at four million dollars. Jake, what was it doing in income per month? It was doing 40. fifty. It was like forty-seven or something. Forty-eight, yeah. yeah. Fifty, and then within twelve months, the income was at eighty thousand a month. So you can see, and I'm assuming that these banks are being—I wouldn't say liberal—they're being conservative. I, I think the property is probably worth more, but we're not going to argue with the, with the banks. And we like to use portfolio banks. That's one thing I, I, we should mention. Uh, the portfolio banks have been very good to us. They know the market. Um, look for a portfolio bank that wants to grow its portfolio, knows the market, and we've created a great relationship with one. And it's you know it's given us the ability to um, you know. To grow, the last deal we did was 156 units in March. We got great financing, but we only had to put 15% down on this property. We got a year of interest-only payments, so that extra 10 or 12,000 a month that we're not giving to them for principal, we're putting back into the property and we're redistributing it as income to us as draws. And then by the end of the year, we're going to refinance this property, bring it to Fannie, and you know we we just we've just created you know money out of thin air. My wife still can't grasp that concept. It doesn't make sense <laughs> yeah. to either Jake and I because where did the money where did the money where's that equity coming from but um it's so simple it, it's complicated that's the only way i can say it right read <laughs> exactly yeah. exactly it comes from the the forced appreciation and i i just when i first moved to the united states i was just like this is incredible that you can you know force that appreciation uh, multifamily exists and it operates like a business and i always tell people just think of it like you know you're a business you walk into a bank one day and you say hey i'm earning x amount of money in cash flow per month uh six months later you walk in and say oh hey, i double that cash flow well you're inherently going to be worth more to that bank right so think of yep. it like that and that's that's how i break it 
it down for people. Um, another thing I just quickly want to touch on is the deal sponsor. When you, a lot of people out there, if they're international investors, they want to get their first deal done. Having a local person on the ground as a deal sponsor. How did you guys come across your first deal? Were you already high net worth individuals? Or would you partner with someone who could help you take down larger and larger deals? How does that work? Well, it's uh, it's really interesting because Gino picks on me all the time. I saved up. We both saved up money. We're saving money, you know, to roll it into multifamily. And I was living in a C-class apartment at the time, about two-bedroom apartment. My wife was getting antsy. She's like, we got to go buy a house. You know, the the market's down. Let's go buy a house. And so I actually blew my seed money that we had saved up for multifamily. I I went and bought this really great house. And so we're like, okay, we're we're, we're done. We're not going to invest. Because it took us almost two years. So then the 25-unit uh, apartment complex came came about, and what we were able to do is we used 10% owner financing, and then I actually uh, borrowed money against my 401k. So it was, it was Gino, I, and his brother. Uh, we were both about 33% on that deal, and um, and then from there, used a similar strategy on the next deal, and then we brought another partner in on our third deal. So you know, we we again we're self managers. I'm I'm sort of the boots on the ground, uh, making sure you know the management is, is doing what it needs to be doing, and that's that's how our partnership works. Um, you know, I know people get into syndication and, and management companies maybe have someone someone local, but that's uh, that's essentially how we we've done it. Reed, I think the important thing that international investors need to do is they need to get on websites like Jake and Gino, like yours, guys who are doing it, um, get on LinkedIn. LinkedIn, see who's, see who's investing in assets, um, go into the specific market. So let's say you want to invest in um, Knoxville, Tennessee. Go into the Knoxville, Tennessee market on LoopNet. See who the brokers are. You need to make connections with brokers and you need to know show brokers what your credibility book is. You need to show them what your business plan is. You need to show them what you're actually investing in so they don't waste your time and you don't waste their time. But the broker connections is really huge for us because we're getting we're working on another 30-unit deal right now and it would never have come about because it's an off-market deal. Um, we have the, we have the um, networking with the broker, um, it, it's really vital that you, you you connect with these brokers. Um, we use a website called Bigger Pockets. Also, it's one of the largest websites where you can go on and network with other individuals, see what's going on in their market. Um, and the other thing is international investors need to get on a plane and need to go to a market and actually visit a market and actually talk to brokers face to face. If you're going to invest any kind of money, you need to do extreme due diligence and find out what's going on in the market. I, I, I went to Cleveland last week. I got on a plane with a student, did some market research. I have my 45 questions with me, what I'm going to ask, and I got a feel for the market. And that's the only way you should start investing because you have to know where you're buying and what you're buying. Um, I wasn't super impressed with the Cleveland market. It's a great cash flowing market. It doesn't seem like it's emerging. Seems like there's a lot of units being built. The Rust Belt City. That's just one example of what international investors should do. I know it's hard to get on a plane sometimes, but if you're going to put any money anywhere, you need to do your due diligence on on the investment. Hundred percent. I think that is uh, very very incredible uh, advice and information for anyone out there who's listening. Um, I do provide a little bit of that service, but we won't get into that. We're talking about you guys today. So uh, to wrap the show up a little bit, you know, with all your experience in investing right here in the United States and developing framework, I know you, you're primed to give me your top five investing tips. You ready to jump into it? Yep. All right, guys. So what is the most successful habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? 100% is uh, weekly and, uh, and you know, just planning. Um, I have a thing I call my coach's sheet. I have it. You can hear that. It's cardstock sitting right next to me. <laughs> I, I literally block out every hour of every day. Um, I write my goals at every day at the top of that. And um, so I have, you know, from here, we have like, four, you know, three or four more meetings today. 
and um, it's it's all just chunked out, and and we're you know constantly uh, improving. I, I do something you know on the back page of this where it's one thing better for our management company every week, so we're, we're it's constant improvement, and it just holds me accountable. After I you know I cross something I cross something out the minute I'm done with it, and and the people that work for us constantly are picking on me and laughing at me about this because a little we'll be in a meeting, something will get done, and I'll cross it off, and they're just like get a freaking iPhone, man. I'm like I got it. It just doesn't work for me. This is something about putting pen to paper. Um, and making sure things are getting done uh, has has really propelled my career. And for me, Reed, it's very simple. I, I don't think of myself as an expert in any field, whether I'm a parent, I'm a business owner, I'm a real estate investor. I'm constantly doing reading. Um, I love to read. Uh, spend about an hour a day trying to do some type of research. I like to write a lot. So when I'm writing blog articles, it's always about researching. I'm doing the Ben Franklin model. You need to spend about an hour a day on yourself to be able to become an expert. And I don't think we ever become experts because once you become an expert, you stop learning and you think you know it all. And especially especially in real estate, things move so quickly. The fix and flip is, you know, the market shifts so quickly. So you need to know what's going on at any particular point. So um, I just stress that I'm always trying to learn. I'm always trying to make myself better. And I'm always just trying to be engaged in, 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 the, uh, in the endeavor that I'm doing at, the, at that point in time. You know, focus on what you're doing. Awesome stuff, guys. I completely agree with all of that. And I love the writing the goals down. I'm a huge fan of that and taking an hour each day to just focus on on, on yourself. Uh, what's the most influential tool in your real estate business and why? I would say 100%. Gino and I actually have a little bit of experience developing software. And uh, on our website, jakeandgino.com, we actually produced an underwriting template called the Deal Analyzer. And it's it's for multifamily. It's a complete underwriting template where you, you put your income in, you put your expenses, you put your financing information in, and it just gives you everything you need. It's a complete picture on one page. It gives you the cap rate, gives you the cash on cash return, debt coverage ratio. And it's just such a quick way to analyze deals real time, super fast. And you know, at the end of the day, you just start getting a feel for these deals because you know I'm going to put this number in. This is sort of what I'm going to get, and uh, and you just analyze deals super quickly. Get it over to the brokers. They know that you're serious. They know that uh, you know your numbers. And uh, you know when you get these these crazy pro formers over that don't have actuals on them, you can say no. Give me the actuals. I'm going to send you back what what the underwriting really looks like. And I think that's been instrumental. Uh, I don't know, Gino, if you'd agree with that or not, but I do. I'll take it one step further. You're talking to Jake and Gino, who like to break the internet from from it from now and again, right, Jake? So break, break the internet because we don't know how to use it. I'm a li- I am a certified life coach, so I embrace my fears. So I think the internet. If you're not embracing Facebook Live. I I go Facebook Live every Tuesday at 1 p.m., talk to my students, talk to people, engage. Uh, Facebook Live can be used to show apartments. Uh, Start doing Snapchat. My boy over there loves to do Snapchat. I'm not a Snapchat. You know, (laughs) Instagram. These are all the mediums what people people are using right now. People are going to start doing voice recognition. They're not even going to be typing in, um, you know, search terms. So you have to stay on the cusp because a lot of our tenants are millennials. They like to use cell phones. They don't even use desktops anymore. So stuff has to be mobile. You have to make it simple to use. So you have to learn how to use technology. And if you don't know how to do it, get a partner, give him a percent, and make sure that he helps you because that's where everything's going. We're not we're going into the internet age. It's, it's been going for the last few <laughs> years, but it just as technology starts expanding, it just starts expanding so rapidly and platforms start changing so quickly that I mean I love Facebook Live. You go live, can you imagine walking into an apartment? You can't make a five o'clock appointment. Well, Mr. Tenant, let me go into the appointment apartment with you. I'm gonna go live with you. Let me show you what you like, what you don't like, and you can close a deal right then and there. Send them an application online, boom, done. And you can save his time, you save your time and and it's just a wonderful tool to use. 
Love it, love it. And also being across different platforms and mediums, you guys are on the podcast, you're on, you know, you're doing your weekly vlogs, you're on your Facebook Live, love all that sort of stuff because you're constantly uploading content which people value. And at the end of the day, if you're valuing content and providing something that people can learn from and grow their business, then, you know, that's that's just awesome. I love all that sort of stuff. So guys, what's the most exciting project you're working on right now? Is it that 30-unit deal you just told me about, the off-market deal? Um, that's sort of exciting. Um, we've been looking at some much larger deals, uh, 800 units and, and, and things like that, that we're, we're hoping we still have a, a shot for them to come back to us. But we've really hit fast forward on our management company um, in terms of you know the different systems. I love the book uh, by Gino Wickman, Traction. And we've just been accelerating, and, and I also call it professional up. It basically means we're systematizing and growing the business. And um, the thing I'm most excited about, the 30 units is going to be nice, but my ultimate goal for the business is become the largest apartment owner in East Tennessee. Um, you know, we got about 3,000 more units to go to get there and expanding into the Jacksonville market and just, uh, and just you know, growing the business and blowing up. Uh, just it's been a fun ride so far and, and just want to keep pushing. Awesome. Gino, um, as far as as far as what I'm doing, I just love uh, you know expanding the Jake and Gino brand. I'm out there, like you said, every week. We've got a podcast every week. We're usually getting uh, you know interviewed by experts such as yourself. I, I love this space. I love this medium to continue to create content and continue to get these positive um, affirmations by people. But you know, they can actually, I've I've had people say they listen to our podcast and they can do deals just by listening to our podcast. So to me, that's like the most exciting thing in the world. I mean, if you can help one person a day or a week or a month actually change their financial future. I mean, that there's nothing more important than that because you change that one person's future, he's got a family which has another family. So, I mean, to me, that's, that's one of the most exciting things uh, to me right now. Awesome stuff. Uh, guys, one of the last questions just to wrap this up. The most influential person in your career to date? Uh, got to say the G-Daddy for me, right? <laughs> <laughs> Gotta be bringing it with the cheat No, I mean, it really, I think, you know, our partnership changed our lives, uh, you know, quite a bit because when we got together, um, I was, I was kind of in this, this corporate role and, and not knowing what the future held for me. And, and our partnership allowed us to can take, uh, basically take control of our destiny and, you know, produce, you know, $5 million a year in an annual, uh, gross income and, and the, the stability that's come through with the long term financing and, and the multifamily, I think has, uh, has both allowed us to do things. Things that um, we couldn't do in the past. I mean, if it was Friday back in the day, Gino would be in the kitchen right now. If it was, I'd be in a doctor's office, uh, you know, trying to push some uh, push some uh, prescriptions. And uh, now we're sitting on a, a podcast with the the Australian man himself uh, talking real estate, and and that's pretty cool. It's 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 allowed us to create a life for ourselves. Uh, we we have control of our time, and we can dictate what we want to do when we want to do it, and uh, it, it's pretty awesome. So shout out to the G uh, Daddy. What's up, man? Uh, I, I would I'd reciprocate that, but I I go one step further. I think it's uh, my my parents and especially my mom, um, for, you know, just for being able to to be a role model to me because she came from you know she was came from Italy, so she had nothing, so she built a substantial wealth. But at the same time, she had those limiting beliefs. I only had one restaurant because she would always say, "Let's think small. We're small," and that that held me back at the same time and it showed me that I don't have to do what she's doing. But she's been such a good role model in other respects that um it really pushed me to want more which is weird because she was comfortable with what she was doing, but I wasn't satisfied. So she showed me that you can do whatever you want, put your mind to whatever you want. And, but those limiting beliefs were always there for her that, you know what, we're happy with one place. And when I met Jake, everything for me changed. So that's, um, that's, that's my, uh, inspiration. 
Awesome, guys. Well, it's very uh, very touching to hear that uh, you're both inspirations to each other and your mum. That's uh, that's incredible. Uh, guys, last question is where can people reach you to continue the conversation? You've provided some awesome content here today. I know there's going to be a lot of questions. They're going to be flooding the, your, your inboxes with people wanting to you know get that, that deal analyzer. So where can they so, go? So number one, jakeandgino.com. Um, that's that's right on there. You can you can check out the website. Uh, we got the handle for most of the social media is Jake and Gino. So we got Snapchat, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram. We got the the Instagram story going now. We got the 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 best selling book Wheelbarrow Profits is on Amazon. Um, Gino, what am I missing here? Uh, I like LinkedIn. Just just yeah, LinkedIn. LinkedIn because I, I post a lot of articles. I'll I'll probably post this on my social and on on LinkedIn. So I, it's a great platform to to reach me. Uh, the email jake at jakeandgino.com, gino at jakeandgino.com. We keep it simple. Awesome, guys. Well, I want to thank you both for taking some time out of your day to just come on this show and help educate international investors. Just to recap what we talked about, we talked about buying right, we talked about financing right, and we talked about managing right, and you guys have got that in spades. Uh, thanks, guys, for dropping by and chatting with us. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll catch up soon. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, everybody. Same. Well, there you have it. Another great insight into understanding multifamily real estate here in the United States. Now, make sure you check out all the show notes for a summary of our conversation with Jake and Gino, the guys over at jakeandgino.com. And any links that we mentioned on today's show, just jump on my website at rsmpropertygroup.com forward slash podcast. Whilst you're there, check out my website and sign up for any uh, our newsletter to check out the types of deals that we're doing. And if you want to sign up for our wine and cheese networking events that I host in downtown LA, if anyone is in the LA region and they want to hit me up for a coffee or lunch or a beer, I'm always up for that. I love meeting up with other people who are traveling through Los Angeles just to talk real estate. Um, just head over to my, uh, just hit me up at my website. Um, and you can you can click on me and go to read at rsnpropertygroup.com. That's my email. Thanks again for taking some time out of your day to tune in to continue to grow your real estate investing knowledge because that's what we're all about here on this show. Continue to grow your financial IQ for international investors wanting to buy you. US real estate. If you do like this show and you want to give back, then you always know how to do it. Just jump on iTunes and leave the show a five-star review. It helps me grow our community of eager listeners wanting to invest here in the United States. Guys, we are going to do this all again next week. So take care, be safe, and remember, happy investing.